Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rick Jay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina. Today is Monday, April 4th, 2022, and we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the doctor's opinion on page XXVII, the first paragraph, beginning with the doctor writes, and reading through four paragraphs, ending with outside knowledge. Today's readers are Jim K, The Twelve Steps, Margie, The Twelve Traditions. Our big book readers are Barbara P in the text, Kathy S on page 164, and Sally P is our backup reader. Our newcomer greeter is Pat B, and our second hour moderator is Ken WH. The share ID for Sunday, April 3rd, 2022, is 18,773. OE Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. Overeaters Anonymous is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, oops, my page just flipped over. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jim Kay to read the 12 steps. Hey, Jim, go ahead and unmute. Thank you, Rick. This is Jim Kay from Illinois, a compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Jim. 
I will now ask Margie to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you so much, Margie, from Massachusetts, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, but definitely not cured. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Marge how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes at the end of which I will give you a gentle reminder. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the doctor's opinion on page XXVII, the first paragraph, beginning with the doctor writes and reading through four paragraphs, ending with outside our synthetic knowledge. I will now ask Barbara P. to begin reading. Good morning, everybody. Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The doctor writes, the subject presented in this book seems to me to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcoholic addiction. I say this after many years experience as medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcoholic and drug addiction. There was therefore a a sense of real satisfaction when I was asked to contribute a few words on a subject which is covered in such, um, such masterly detail in these pages. 
We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. What with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. So good morning, everybody. You know, I had to this morning start with looking up moral psychology because I realized, you know, years and years in program doesn't matter. I'm still learning and I didn't really understand that. And yet the doctor for me, what it was hitting me this morning, the doctor saying some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance. Like he understands the problem and he's been serving these folks, hasn't been able to solve the problem. And he realizes something having to do with moral psychology is the answer. So I looked it up, it's still really confusing, but the one thing that I found that really helped was moral psychology, it's the study of moral identity development, a lot of words. Um, moral psychology differs from moral philosophy in that it studies how we make decisions rather than exploring what moral decisions we should make. And that I could relate to because for all the years of my life, since I was a child, I knew what I should do with food um, and many other things. I knew what I should do, but I couldn't do it. I, still, when it came down to making the decision, I, I'd still go in the direction of the food over and over and over again. I knew I shouldn't eat more. I knew that weight was hurting me. I knew that how I felt around my eating was hurting me, my shame, uh, my dishonesty, my my heartbreak, literally, and, you know, and I couldn't stop. So it didn't matter. And I, I went to lots of things to try and figure out how I could make different decisions. So I had a lot of good moral philosophy. I knew which, which decisions I should make. But when it came down to it, I still ate. <laughs> I still ate. That's as simply as I can say it. Even when I was watching my hand go to my mouth and thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to live this way. I still ate. So I think that the doctors really recognize, and these are good people. These are people with a lot of knowledge, and we can teach them the right decisions, but we can't figure out a way to teach them how to make those decisions. And that was always my problem. I could try and practice that, but at some point, the food always won, and I was baffled. I didn't understand that. So I think the doctors expressing doctors sort of bafflement, if that's a word, and they realized, yeah, we need to make help them make better decisions, but yet nothing we found has helped them make better decisions. So I think with that, I'm going to pass. I'm looking forward to everybody's take on these four paragraphs. Thanks, Rick. I pass. Uh, thanks so much for getting us started, Barbara. Before we get our first group of names, just a reminder that although we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Please give me your first name only and the first initial of your last name. Who would like to share on what was read today? Katie G. from Boston. Christina J. Gotcha, Christina. Dara L. Jackie hey, Dara. A from Connecticut. Kelly G. Was that Kelly? Yes, Kelly G. 
Got you, Kelly. Anyone else? Kathy S. All right, Kathy, I think that's probably a good place to go ahead and, and kick off this morning. Um, all right, here's who I've got. Katie G, Christina J, Dara L, Jackie A, Kelly G, and Kathy S. Katie G, you're up, followed by Christina J. Go ahead, Katie. Hey, Rick. Good morning. Thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. And, um, you know, I just want to acknowledge the depth and weight of this letter, right? So he's saying, the subjects presented in this book are of paramount, which is urgent and supreme. So like, I have a life and death illness, and that is what this textbook, this program of recovery, is going to help me to address. So it's of paramount importance. And he's a medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcohol and drug addiction, right? So, and then he says, he, 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 he is so satisfied that he is asked to contribute some words on the subject, which is covered in masterly detail. What does this mean? This means that, you know, at four months, when Bill W. was penning the words on this page, I believe transmitted through God, he was a master? And the doctor, the medical director, doesn't understand it, essentially. He says, it's, the, um, I am not well equipped to apply the powers of good or God that lie outside our synthetic, which is scientific knowledge. So they're realizing that there's something, they realize that there is an allergy, right? That there's this abnormal reaction to alcohol. However, you know, like uh, for those of us who remember Nancy Reagan, just quit, right? Just don't do it. Like don't pick up the alcohol. Don't pick up the food. But the reason this is so profound for all of us is we are standing on the shoulders of this humble, amazing man who has, I mean, I don't have a medical degree, right? And he's saying, you can, he's going to say, you can rely on anything these people say. And what are they going to teach me? They're going to teach me what my problem is. And I must know what my problem is in order to understand the solution. I must know that I have an allergy to the, to, in my body, an abnormal adverse reaction to certain ingredients, foods, and behaviors that create this desire for more. I eat, I want more. I exercise, I want more. Right, But the bigger part of my disease is in my mind. And the thing is, if I want long-term contented sobriety, the only thing that's going to save me is God. So I must get entirely abstinent, and if I'm not willing to put something down, that's fine, but that's going to block me and God. And then I must do the 12 steps and cultivate a relationship with God through helping others and through constantly seeking his will. With that, I do pass. Thanks be Awesome. Timing. Thank you so much, Katie. Christina J., you're up, followed by Dara L. Go ahead, Christina. Morning, Rick. Morning, everybody. Christina J. from the state of Washington, recovered one moment at a time by God's grace. So, 
beautiful how this person recovered and began to help others and convinced this doctor through his altruistic service that there was something here, something of paramount importance to those afflicted. I'm afflicted. I have this disease, but I chased the scientific approach, as this doctor talks about, for years. I chased the chemical approach to there must be something wrong with my brain. Um, I chased the moral uh, psychology and moral standards, and I chased all of it, and I had no idea. So today, this book is paramount to me. Without this book, I can't continue. Uh, I used to know this guy who was um, a counselor to alcoholics, uh, a government-funded program, and he used to come and make fun of the alcoholics, and he'd say, I tell them all the time, just stop. And in truth, this guy was an alcoholic. He was in major denial, and, and, and he, you know, he says, I could stop anytime I want. And um, I couldn't. I didn't understand that, that he could be so callous. We can't stop on our own we can't stop with ultra-modern standards or scientific approaches. I prove that to myself over and over with relapse after relapse after relapse. I never read this beautiful paragraph, these paragraphs in this book when I first came in. This book was given to me. I chased, I drove an hour to get it. I was thinking this is going to be my new solution. An alcoholic said, I've got an extra one, come get it. I sat out in her driveway in the heat, sweating from a binge, looking at this book and went right to how, how to figure this out. And then it went on the shelf because it didn't make any sense to me. But because of vision, I have this broken down day after day after day, word by word, paragraph by paragraph, relating in with all of you that have this disease. I don't have to chase ultra-modern standards, scientific approaches. I don't have to chase pills or potions. I have to chase a healthy diet, weighed and measured. I have to chase connecting with people, opening my heart, giving service. That's what i got to chase today. How beautiful that is that I get to chase things that bring me to the presence of God in my heart because service does that for me. I can be totally out to lunch, and if I make a call, I'm back on the beam with all of you. So I think that this statement, this subject, which is covered in such masterly detail, that always gives me shivers and makes me cry because it's made this one doctor realize that these guys have something. A doctor, a doctor is getting behind this. So that says a lot for me. I hope I had said something that helps somebody out there. And love you guys all, and I pass. Thank you, Christina J. Dara L., you're up next, followed by Jackie A. Go ahead, Dara. Hi, great. Thanks so much. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. And this beautiful paragraph made me think about um, you know, the application presenting difficulties. Um, and I thought about uh, two little uh, stories, experiences that I had when I was trying to put down the food prior to coming back to this program and prior to having a 
a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience. Um, and so one of the things that I tried, I, I read this book that said, you know, that if, like, if we really love ourselves and we'll treat ourselves well, and so I was supposed to say this mantra every day, you know, I love myself, I love myself. And I remember I, uh, I, I, I was on my way to go buy binge food, you know, chanting, I love myself, I love myself. You know, I'm in line at the grocery store thinking to myself, you know, I love myself, I love myself, buying all this binge food, coming home, binging throwing up, you know, like in my mind thinking, I love myself, I love myself, you know, did not work, <laughs> did not work. Um, and then something else I tried, I remember, you know, I did this um, sort of like self-help program um, and this, and, and the, the psychologist who was leading it, he was like, you know, um, if you, like, if, if so, think about the person that you love most in the world, and I thought about my mother, and he said, you know, like, if, if someone put a, if someone said, you know, um, you can, like, if you're, um, basically, I'm trying to think of how exactly he put it, but he said, you know, if your mother's life depended on you not eating sugar for the rest of your life, you could do it. You know, if someone was going to kill your mother, if you ever eat sugar again, you know, you could stay away from sugar, and I thought, well, say goodbye to life, mom. You know what I mean? Like I just, there was no way, there was no way that I could stop um, this, the insanity, the self-inflicted uh, insanity of, for me, you know, anorexia, bulimia, and compulsive overeating. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Didn't matter how much I, I loved myself. Didn't matter how much I, you know, um, cared about the people around me. You know, no human power, including the power of my own mind, was going to relieve me from this terrible disease, you know, because I didn't understand that it was an allergy of the body and that once I ingested certain things, I couldn't stop and that my mind would come up with any excuse to lead me back and that what I needed was a spiritual experience. You know, I needed something that I believe today was both outside of me and deep down within me that was going to rescue, you know, this compulsive eater and no other thing that I tried. And I tried a lot of things. You know, I tried 18 different treatment centers. Didn't work. I tried, you know, a half-assed recovery program in OA. Didn't work. I tried, you know, thousands of hours of therapy, thousands of dollars on whatever the heck, and, and none of it was going was gonna to work because I couldn't Dental the application. Thanks, I heard that. Uh, the application for me required loving, putting down the food and then going through these steps with a loving big book guide and finding a God um, that works and does for me what I can't do for myself. And I'll pass and thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dara L. Jackie A., you're up next, followed by Kelly G. Go ahead, Jackie. Thank you so much. Um, hi, everybody. Good morning. Blessed to be here with you on a Monday. I'm going to go into a primary health care setting today. So knock on wood, I get to continue to work with my fellow woman, man, they kind in the addiction world, both on the provider line and on the uh, on the client side. Like I'm just this. This program seven months ago changed my life because I felt ignorant and I laugh at that sadly and humbly how I never understood. Like when we think of the log list, um, I can imagine I don't have my doctorate degree. I work with my doctors and I think to how powerless they felt how they turn to their other colleagues, how they turn to the clients to give them the information when they're, you know, 
coming out of the rooms, whether it's a surgical room, a detox room, an ICU, and they're like, how do you feel? What's going on? And to see somebody get better and to see it do it themselves and on their um, with outside help and then to come back for a follow-up visit, it, it bring, for me, it brings me to tears always. It's like, how did you do it? And you just hear these, these small miracles that happen in folks' lives. And, um, and I really, I think that that's part of, you know, I don't, I've never seen anybody of the spiritual faith walk into a hospital if it wasn't for somebody dying, somebody visiting, or a baby being born. Because we didn't, there was no life or death matters to celebrate with God. Like, why would they be here? It's not Sunday. It's not special service because this person has a, a religious affiliation. Why the heck are you here? So, you know, that's kind of how a lot of organizations can run. And I look at this and it's just, it's, it's beautiful and it's intentful and it's, um, it shows the fellowship in this community that we don't have boundaries in the sense like we have traditions and we have steps, but we don't have boundaries of what separates us from another addict. And I've learned that anybody in these helping fields has been touched by that and felt helpless by those areas where they couldn't, they couldn't do. That's that acceptance. And so, therefore, they went into the fields where they could be of service to who they could help. And so, I don't know. I love the doctor's opinion. This is probably one of my favorite sections of the book so far. So, with that, I pass. Thank you, Jackie A. Kelly G., you're up next, followed by Kathy S. Go ahead, Kelly. Good morning, Kelly G., recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Um, I love how the doctors have to also throw up their white flag and say, I can't. I can't solve this. I can't help you. And I, too, the number of doctors, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of dollars and years of doctors trying to convince me that they can help, that they're the solution. If, I, if I'm not getting better seeing them once a week, come twice a week, come three times a week, come inpatient, follow up without me. I mean, it was just, and it wasn't the solution. So I love how, you know, the doctors realizing that they really don't know. And the moral psychology, right, the, the, psych, the, the change, the, the moral psychology, the shift from the way I think now, the way I feel now, the way I act now, the way I'm wired now was different than the way I was wired, the way I think, the way I feel before. Every day I woke up with the decision, do I eat or do I not eat? And then throughout the day, it was the same debate. Am I going to eat over this? Am I not going to eat over this? Today, after the psychic change, that decision doesn't cross my mind. There is no decision to be made. And that's what is so unbelievably magical to me, that through this work, through these steps, my thoughts, my decisions, my actions have completely shifted when I thought that there is no possible way that I am ever going to live a day without thinking about do I binge or do I not binge, that torture um, doesn't exist for me. And that is such a gift. Now, for anyone new on the line or those who have recent recovery, of course, there are exceptions, right? It is not all easy breezy. There are times when 
yeah, things are happening in life and perhaps the thought goes there. But through this work, it doesn't have to take me out. And, um, yeah, I just, I really, really, I, I understand the severity of working through these steps. And the only way to get there is working with another person and following the directions because I can't change the way I think. My thinking is what gets me here. I have a distorted perception of reality. I do not think like a normal person. And I need to just follow directions despite what my mind tells me and believes and just follow the directions. And eventually my mind will, will clean itself out. And those thoughts change. The way that I talk to myself, the way that I feel about myself, the way that I see situations change. And that instinct that used to be, go to the food, you're uncomfortable, Kelly, go to the food, you're not going to be able to get through this, thank you, doesn't have that same voice anymore. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Kelly G. All right, uh, Kathy S., you're next up. But before you begin, I'm going to remind us where we're at today. And uh, then after Kathy shares, we will get some more names. <clears throat> so we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXVII, the first paragraph beginning with the doctor writes and reading through four paragraphs ending with outside our synthetic knowledge. All right, Kathy S., you're up next, and uh, go ahead and share. We'll get some more names after that. All right, thanks, Rick. This is Kathy S., recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia, and um, it's wild. When I was listening to Barbara read these paragraphs, what stood out to me the most were was the word application, and um, it's said three times in these short paragraphs so obviously there's something to be heard here and you know the very word application means an act of putting something to use to bring into action and uh, that is what these steps are about um, what we have to know is like to know the problem and we also have to know the solution so with application you know what we're looking for what we need is god's power we need to apply God's power to our problem. And how do we do it? It's through the steps. Starting with step one, give up, <laughs> you know, and just I have to stop, stop doing my own applying, you know, and applying my own solutions, but just surrender to move over and quit playing God. You know, these paragraphs, starting with the doctors and how they share, it just reeks of humility. And, and really, that's what, that's what this takes. And, um, it's kind of like, you know, when I think about God's power, I mean, it's like having an electric bike and, um, you know, like I'm trying to pedal myself uphill in my own strength. I mean, what good is having an electric bike or battery powered bike if, if I'm not going to use it? And, and that is how, you know, life is with God. You know, we all have access to God's power and it's like, what good is God's power unless we apply it? And to apply it, it is a matter of just turning on a switch. It's a matter of just giving up. It's a matter of just letting God take over. And then life, you know, we just, we just learn to trust. We learn, we put our belief in God's power together and, and just try something new. And next thing you know, I'm going uphill. And I'm actually making it. I'm not having to stop, fall, crash, start over. 
but I'm actually making it to the hill of of every trial and tribulation that comes my way, you know, God is with me. I just lean in onto his power. And again, how do I do it? I've got to apply the steps to my life. I've got to work them. So um, that's all I got about that. Thank you so much. And I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy. Yes. All right. So although we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day that others might share their experience too. Who else would like to share on uh, XXVII, first paragraph of Dr. Wright, through outside our synthetic knowledge? Ken WH. Got you, Ken? Yep. Susan SH. Susan S.H., gotcha. Lynn Renee H. Okay, hold on. Um, So let's back up. I got Beverly G., but there was a man and a woman who who came in, and I missed both of you. If you guys could tell me your names one more time, the the man and the woman right before Beverly G., for me, it's Lynn Renee H. from Montreal. Lynn Renee H. And who was the gentleman? I know I heard a guy. Lisa B.T. Jim K. Okay, gotcha, Jim. All right. What's, uh, anybody else want to hop on? Lisa BT. Gotcha, Lisa. What, All right. What, what page? I'm sorry. Um, did you say what page? There's either a name or somebody said what page. Um, so I will say the page we're on. We're on page XXVII, the first paragraph beginning with the doctor writes. We're reading through four paragraphs ending with outside our synthetic knowledge. All right, so Ken, this is who I have, Ken W.H., Susan S.H., Beverly G., Lynn Renee H., Lisa B.T., and Jim K. Ken, you are up, my friend, followed by Susan S.H. Go ahead, Ken. Well, thank you, neighbor. Uh, Thanks, Rick. This is Ken W.H. from Cary, North Carolina, recovered compulsive overeater, and grateful to be here today. Thanks for your leadership, uh, Rick, and, and all the others who have shared already. Um, <clears throat> I appreciated the lead we had this morning on this with the moral psychology and moral philosophy. The the difference there is very, very important. Um, and I'm aware that both of those being important disciplines to follow, neither has the neither of them has the power to help me make those decisions that I know I should be making. Neither one of them has the power. And after thousands of years, the solution hasn't changed, never changed. It's God, higher power, spirit of the universe, great spirit, whatever you want to call it, it's outside of me. And that's been the critical issue for me, that that power had to come from somewhere other than me and actually, somewhere other than you. Um, this is not a human solution, so to speak. This is a power 
greater than myself, outside of myself, that will solve my problem. That's what the book tells me it's about. And that has happened over the years. Um, you know, we can try all kinds of behavioral modifications. Um, some of those are effective, um, at least in the short term, perhaps in the long term for some. But I'm aware that uh, diets are behavior modification. Let's face it. Uh, change uh, someone else telling me how to change the way I behave with food. Uh, ultimately, I have to come to the place of absolute utter surrender that on my own and through human aid, I cannot, I cannot be abstinent and free. Um, it's got a PHP. Um, uh, otherwise, I'm toast. Oh, no, otherwise, I'm lost. I don't want to say toast. <laughs> otherwise, I'm lost. And um, so I'm so grateful for this, the humility of the doctors uh, early on and their awareness that even after 80 years, we have not changed the solution of this. And we're still looking for a solution. Uh, the, the scientists are still trying to find the pill for us. Um, I'm, someday they may find a pill that works to some degree, but it will not change the way I relate to food. And I'm, I'm just so grateful I have this method. Thanks, Rick. Talk to you soon. Bye. I pass. Thank you, Ken WH. Susan SH, you're up next, followed by Beverly G. Go ahead, Susan. Good morning. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio. I am a recovered compulsive overeater and grateful for this, for this meeting. Uh, whenever I read those paragraphs, I, I kind of smile at the ultra-modern standards and uh, scientific application. It was a lot different back then, but they were, to the best of their ability, applying ultra-modern standards and scientific applications. And the doctors I have known would have a terrible time admitting that their knowledge and their methods won't do it. Um, and my sponsor talked to me when we read this the first time about how this, this is saying that the journey is spiritual. Science won't do it. Knowledge won't do it. There's a spiritual journey that is the answer. And, yeah, I was still finding my way to that spiritual journey, and I'm so glad for the journey. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about moral psychology. It's one of those terms that have always felt fuzzy to me. And so we study. And so I think about it again. And that is the beauty of restudying. And re to me, that's the beauty of restudying and restudying these paragraphs. I see it again and I consider it again. And that's progress. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meetings are lifesavers. Absolutely. Especially when I have just some questions that stay with me and I keep asking myself because I, I can't reason things out myself that well. I've, I've tried that for years and it didn't seem to uh, 
further me um, as far as my uh, compulsive eating. But it helps me to understand a little better and make a little more progress and get a little closer to my higher power. Always. And that that is the goal. And it is what what I treasure about where I'm at right now. I have directions to return to a higher power no matter what. And um Grateful to study again, grateful to share again, and I pass. Thank you so much, Susan S.H., Beverly G., you're up next, followed by Lynn Renee H. Go ahead, Beverly. Thank you, Rick. Uh, My name is Beverly G. from Durham, North Carolina. This is my first time to share, so I don't understand the numbers too much. I'm, I think what happens is when I unmute and then I'm done, you uh, you mute me or somebody mutes me. So thanks for that. All right. I have at the beginning, uh, I also want to say thank you, everybody, for your shares, You're helping me to go deeper in this because uh, I haven't heard a lot of what you're all talking about. And I'm really, I'm just getting so much. Um, I have at the beginning of my book somebody uh from this program who said, I, I'm not going to say who said it because they probably got it from somebody else. You don't get this program by learning the spiritual solution. You get it by transmitting the spiritual solution, by giving it away. And that's what I have in this part of my uh, book is one alcoholic, one compulsive eater talking with another. I was diagnosed with allergy of food when I was like 30 years old. And um, it didn't keep me out of the food. I was told, you know, you're going to have terrible consequences. And I had terrible, terrible consequences. And um, it didn't keep me out of the food. And I, I didn't understand it. And um, and even reading this, when I first came in, I didn't understand any of it. But what, what I did have, I had a, a sponsor who understood it and who was unafraid to guide me in my absolute crazy insanity to a place of uh, to a place of um, good, and uh, that was the beginning uh, for me. I, I just needed somebody who understood me, not somebody who told me I had to stop eating that way or I'll die. And uh, and she was so allowing of any time I fell down, it was okay. I just you know, she just was right there to help me get back up rather than making me wrong when I fell down. And uh, there was just nothing like that. And now I'm, you know, I'm hearing, uh, you know, that it's really a spiritual solution. I actually know that it's a spiritual solution today. And I'm still needing my sponsor and I'm still needing all of you. And I'm still needing to read and reread the big book and continue to work the steps. Uh, because that's what helps me stay in the solution, and I have to give it away. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel inadequate to give it away, but it's actually not even me giving it away. It's what I've got from somebody who gave me so freely. And uh, that's all of you. Thank you for being here with me and for me, and I pass. Thank you so much, Beverly G. Glad to hear you on the line this morning. All right, Lynn Renee H., you're up next, followed by Lisa B.T. Go ahead, Lynn Renee. 
Hi, everyone. Thank you for your service, Rick. Uh, Lynn Rene H. from Montreal. On the road to recovery just for today. Oh, my God. This, this part of the book, I remember it so well. At the beginning, beginning, when I arrived, I was like, you can trust everything that an alcoholic can tell you. I didn't really believe that. <laughs> uh, because I didn't trust anybody. And I'm just going to share something that I heard in one of the podcasts from L.A., And it goes like this. There's a guy in a hole, and he's like, help, help. It's dark in here. I'm suffering. It's cold. I don't know what to do. Can somebody help me? And somebody stops, and he says, hi, I'm a psychologist. What can I do for you? And he's like, yeah, I'm stuck here. Please help me. And he says, oh, yeah, I must feel like you're really alone. How does that feel? And and he's, like, uh, talking to the guy. And after an hour, he says, like, well, I'm going to come back next week. And the guy's still in the hole. And then a, psycho- um, a doctor comes around and he's like, oh, my God, what the hell are you doing in there? And he's like, I fell. It's so, it's so hard to stay in here. It's, it's cold and I'm scared. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to give you a prescription like, to calm yourself like, for anxiety. And, and in a couple of months, we're going to see each other again. And um, another person comes around and it's a priest. And it's like, please, Father, call, uh, help me, help me get out of this hole. And he's like, uh, yeah, we're going to pray that you find your way out. And uh, together uh, with God, you're going you're gonna to come out. Okay? And, at, and, that, and he's still in the freaking hole. And at one point, there's a guy who comes around. And he's like, what the hell are you doing in there? And he's like, it's cold and I'm scared. I don't know how to get out of here. And the guy jumps in the hole. And he's like, what the hell did you just do? <laughs> now we're two in the hole. He said, no, 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 no. I was in the hole and I know the way out. Come, follow me. We're going to get you out of here. I always get choked, choked up when I get this because you can, I can trust anything that a recovery member um, sh- shares with me. He knows the way out. I, I don't. I just I can't forget that. I don't know how somebody else does. Somebody else is able to make my mind sane. And like not make my mind sane, but make me see that what I'm saying or doing is unsane or not sane. I don't know. Anyways, and I want to just say thank you from the bottom of my soul to all the members that are recovered and that are sharing the, the mystery of all this book and um, how this book helped so many people. And um, it's amazing for me that people can share with patients. And when I arrived, I had just hope because I didn't believe anything but there's a woman who I really liked and trusted for a whole year I stayed in the and the fellowship without without great thank you without even um believing in anything I hated it after that it transformed into trust of all the recovered people and after that it, it transformed into faith faith that this thing really does work so thank you so much everyone have a great day I pass Thank you so much, Lynn Renee. Lisa BT, you are up next, followed by Jim K. Go ahead, Lisa. Hi, uh, this is Lisa BT, gratefully recovered in Guelph, near Toronto, in Canada. Um, thank you so much for the service to put this meeting on, um, and to all those who are here, um, and to all those who are not here. Um, but um, I think we all, it's kind of magical how this program works um, on so many levels. Um, 
I think for me, the thing that was really shocking to me was listening to the lead on the um, and the hearing the paragraph is I did a study of the big book where we went through it paragraph at a time um, over a, in an intensive way over a one-year period. And I swear, I, did I read that before? Like, it, it just came, it was so new to me this morning, what I was hearing. And, um, and especially the difference between moral philosophy and moral psychology. Um, I had no idea there was a difference between them, so it was helpful just to hear that. And what really spoke to me was that word should um, and how they get mixed up in, 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 I think, in our own minds and in society um, that, you know, you really should just stop. You should just, you know, just say no, that kind of thing. And it ends up saddling, I think, I know for me as a compulsive overeater who knows what I should do and yet throw anybody under the bus including, you know, the closest people in my lives, my values, everything, so that I could get what I want. Um, it's a terrible place to be. Um, it just is, it adds so much pain to an already painful situation to feel that I'm sort of morally bankrupt um, and can't seem to get out even though I know what I should do. And so, so that idea that moral psychology is around behavior and that, and that this is very much identified as a program of action, it gives me in a new way that I've never come across before um, things that can help me um, to change my actions. And in changing my actions, I can get freedom. Um, and all the steps speak to that and the maintenance steps of 10, 11, and 12. And, and the essential message, which is, we are not alone. We don't do this alone. We have a higher power. We have each other. Um, is also something that I think um, the being and the should was really doing for me. I found myself so ashamed and isolated um, that I just kept behaving in these ways. And so, how do I how do I deserve help? Um, so, thank you today. And I love this that we read and reread and every time we may come up with something with something different and that's a great gift and with that I'll pass Thank you Lisa BT. Jim K you're up next Go Good morning this is Jim K from Illinois I, I love the discussion of uh, the term moral psychology uh, that those are it's, a, it's important to me uh, as well um you know, in OA, you, we use the term spiritual, but in the doctor's writing, he, he doesn't use the word spiritual. Um, he, he, in moral psychology, you know, is the term that he seems to use for what we describe as spiritual. And I, the, it is fuzzy, like the, uh, a share referenced, you know, uh, and in his letter, he says, or in his writing, he says some form of moral psychology. So He's not you know, precise about what it is, um, but you know he's not a he's not a doctor of philosophy. He's he's not a theologian. He's not a doctor of theology. He's a medical doctor, and you know I, I, sometimes I find the word spiritual to be hard to access. You know that it's it's so um, you know it's it's just hard for me to access and. 
So moral psychology is a term that it seems he could he could use as a label, and I find it accessible to use it that way. Um, but whatever it is, he, he you know this is of urgent importance. And then in the succeeding uh, sentence, he he takes another nod to this. You know he references you know we doctors being ultra-modern standards, scientific approach, our synthetic knowledge. Synthetic means man-made, you know, not not God-made. So uh, I love that term, and, and I find this to be a, a portal to, to access uh, all of this and what that all has. Thank you, Jim. All right, we do have time for uh, one more share. Um, and uh, I'll just keep an eye on the clock and let you go till it's it's time. So uh, who would like to take us out today? Barbara E. You got it, Barbara. Go ahead. Oh, well, thank you. Well, good morning, my fellows in recovery. It's so glad to be with you on this beautiful sunny morning, at least in New Jersey. Moral psychology to me means change. All those fancy words that uh, Bill Wilson used simply mean change. I had to be honest. I manipulated. I lied to you. I lied to myself. I lied so often that I forgot what the truth was. So I had to actually turn towards God and say, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if, if you're out there. But I'm going to ask you to help me today and every day to become more God conscious and just practice the principles. I love the 12 principles of OA because they distill down for us in simply one word what we're trying to learn. At least for me, I'm learning, try to, trying to be more honest, trying not to lie trying to pause and think what would happen if I lied and outside of the program too. So now I have to tell the truth but not hurt anyone. And hope is every time I come into the rooms and I hear you and I hear the joy, the recovery, the determination in your voice, I know I can do it for just one more day. When I came into the rooms, I wore a path, literally a hole, down the carpet stairs, stuffing myself in secret, going on all those diets, losing all the weight, and then thinking I was normal. But I wasn't. I have an illness. I have a, a disease. I have a twist of the mind that will send me back to the food. So I had to develop that faith. That, and to me, faith is a belief and trust in, in the fact that I can recover. I have two choices. I can live in the disease or die in the disease. I, prefer to I choose to live. So I take door number two. I sponsor. I go to meetings. I make phone calls. I call my food in, and it's been two decades now. I do it every day, and I say the prayers. I've got that wonderful little app on my phone. And before I have my breakfast, I say, God, my God, 
Please nourish me, not activate my addiction. And I just take it one step at a time because faith for me is believing in the impossible. And I thank you very much for allowing me to be of service and to hope that you have a beautiful, abstinent, serene day. I pass. Thank you, Barbara, for taking us out. All right. Thank you for letting me uh, be of service today. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Monday, April 4th, 2022, is 18,776. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Kathy S., please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Rick. This is Kathy S., recovered from Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.